Welcome back to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what is going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke. This is episode 38. I have Lauren with me as always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There it is. And What's up, guys? And we have a special guest today. Yes, we do. Introduce him for me. Yes, the man, the myth, the legend, Randy Larson. Uh, Mr. Bulldozer, not Mr. Prius. That's right. Not to be confused with the Toyota Prius version. (laughs) It was our guest teacher um, this weekend and came in uh, for the second time in about six months. Is that right, Randy? Yeah. You were here back in May. Yeah, Randy's a good friend of mine from Colorado Day. Still lives up on the north side of Denver with his wife and your kids... 16 and 14 16 and 14 yeah, yeah. um and uh, you guys both work in boulder and actually we're mostly out of the house these days right right since yeah. the pandemic yeah we go into the office maybe once a week but most, yeah most of the time when i lived there several years ago randy and i were simultaneously on staffs at neighboring churches mm-hmm. and uh just became friends because of that and then ended up we joked about it this morning before you interrupted me on stage um, so rude. I know, but it was funny. I forgot that your wife was worried that I was some so mistress <laughs> of yours. Who's Lauren? Who's this guy? <laughs> Who's texting you named Lauren? Um, but we used to go to this, this. Uh, I didn't know it was called Daylight Donuts. Is that like a chain or something? It was, yeah. this, it was this little local dive. Hey, I, I grew up in Daylight Donuts too. And I, I met with Randy and a couple other dudes from your church mm-hmm. that um, just had different perspectives on life and kind of modeling a little bit of what you were even talking about uh, mm-hmm. this weekend at church of what's it look like to disagree right. on things and to do it well. Right. Um, and Randy and I just became became good friends. So uh, he has offered to come down in, in some relief for me as a teacher, for Jordan, for our team. Mm-hmm. And I have loved just having a different voice um, come in. You do that well. Thanks again for blessing our church this weekend. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. I have also loved having a different voice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's half joking, uh, people. Half. That's, that's right. Okay, so last week, uh, last week was a little bit different. Um, we we did the one service followed by pancakes. We had come to our table last week, and we came in the next day, and and uh, it still smelled like pancakes. It still smelled, and our sausage, church still uh, smelled really good, which was really? nice. It made me hungry. Um, but you have any? Do you have any additional thoughts? Like thinking back to that, more conversations that you've had, experiences that people enjoy. You know what? A one pervasive thought is more. Like it was so fun, more and we have gotten so much positive feedback over the last week. People saying, "When are we going to do that again?" Uh, people saying that's the most fun they've had at church in a while. All we did was have pancakes and sausage, you know, yeah. uh, and so. Um, you know, without any promises, uh, I, I want to make sure I don't get our whole staff in trouble and <laughs> overpromise and underdeliver. But uh, w- there was a consensus amongst us as a staff this past week of like, yeah, we got to do this again. Mm-hmm. We've got to do it. What does it look like to do it? You know, somewhat uh, rhythmic. You know, was that the word rhythmically, mm-hmm. uh, regularly? Um, so we're mulling that over. Uh, it was really fun, really good time. I, I, I also had several different friends that have have confessed that they showed up uh, and didn't know it was coming. An, an oops. Yeah, oops. Oh, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. That's a nice surprise. Yeah, hey. Oh, by the way, you get some breakfast with them. I don't know how that's possible, though. Like, we flooded every medium we have last week with information. and Maybe that was just what they told you so that they could have Daylight Donuts followed by 
pancakes and sausage. <laughs> maybe. It's like, maybe. Oh no, I have to eat again. I don't want you to feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got. Okay, that okay. really was fun. Good. Um, well, so well, yeah, I hope we do. I hope we do it again. I hope we do something like that again. And uh, I know we've talked about, you know, ideas. Nothing, nothing set in stone by any I, means. But I can go ahead and do a teaser. Uh, okay, we're going to announce something Ooh. this Sunday, something. the seventeenth, which is something special. We're going to do two weeks later on the thirty first because you know it's Halloween and we just have an excuse to have a little extra fun as a all church. Right. Huh? And that's all I'm going to say. The Holy that. Ghost Weenie Roast? Is that what we're having? <laughs> what no? Okay. It's got a ring to it. The it does, Holy it? Ghost Weenie Roast. Okay. Uh, so I was just <laughs> flipping through um, some news articles, and this one stuck out to me, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to throw this at you guys and see what you thought. Um, because, Well, I don't, I don't know how old you are, Randy. Uh, so you can... Randy's you can, right between me and you. Okay. Okay. So you yeah. can jump in if you'd like. Um, so I came across this article, and it basically was a... Uh, it was it was an, a question asked on Twitter uh, to tweet out some of the things that become more difficult as you get older. Oh my gosh! And so I thought I thought oh that's just I just I just grabbed it and I was like well that's interesting. So I'm curious, what would you add to this list? What would you affirm of this list? Just I'm just gonna throw some out: making friends, watching parents get older, staying in touch with people, uh, getting up after you've kneeled down, uh, <laughs> going out and having fun, jumping on a trampoline without getting injured. Uh, pulling an all-nighter, seeing the best in people, and being compassionate. Apparently, that's difficult as you get older. Mm. Changing your opinions, understanding new things like technology, sleeping in, digesting things without heartburn, seeing in low light, those kinds of things. What, what would you? Uh, wow. What would that you add to that? Depressing, accurate list. <laughs> of my accurate life. list. I was going to start with getting up, like getting just up. just standing up, like, like out of bed, out of a chair. It's ridiculously, all the above. yes. R- Randy was privy to me just being all stiff this morning my back hurting and part of that's injury but part of that's just getting older the body does not cooperate yeah. like at, it used to so at what age would you would you say you started grunting as you got up oh gosh like that what's that because commercial? i feel like i feel like i'm there sometimes i'm like uh-huh. it's coming. me getting out of <laughs> yes. getting out of the chair or, I, or sitting down especially like getting down on the floor i'm like good grief dude yeah somewhere around Can we 40 play Legos probably at the table? somewhere around 40 i think <laughs> i don't know that's embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, you know, one thing you said that jumped out to me, like somebody, one of the answers was making friends. Yeah, making friends. I think that gets easier as I get older. Okay. Do you think that's true for most people? Why do you think? Why do you think uh, it's easier? I as think, a as a connector that we yeah, know that's probably you, I'm a bad example. You were built I, that way. I'm weak at some other things, but that's not one of the things I'm weak at. I I'm just more comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. And therefore, I'm more prone to take risks with people okay. and approach people and. Say, I like you. Let's hang out. Like, and I wasn't that way in my twenties, hmm. you know. And so, uh, to me, I'm. It's easier to make friends now. I, I wonder. Know. I wonder if it has to do with, you know, when you're a kid, your your class changes. Your, you know, yeah. you have a new team that you're jumping on. Things the natural the people opportunities that, you're with, that you know. For those of us that aren't the connector that Lauren is, you know, that has yes. you know, you're on my soccer team or you're in this. Yeah, new that's place. true. If the older you get, the more you're kind of. I've, I've been in the same career for a decade. You well, know, if nothing that. else, as soon as you get out of college, or maybe even high school, so many of those regular opportunities just are gone, gone. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, you go work at you know an Apple store mm-hmm. or a restaurant, and you have those those handful of coworkers, and you see every day, yep. and that's it. Yep. You don't have this overwhelming sea of people that you could 
hang out with, you could date, you could, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. That makes yeah, sense. definitely have to be way more intentional. Yeah. Sure. What's getting harder for you, Randy? You're getting up there. Um, you didn't know you were going to get thrown under the bus today. No, I, th- I, I won't p- I'll put this out like, <laughs> like the healing process. Like I still, recovery. I still yeah. act like I'm a 20 year old kid. Um, <laughs> in and, the recovery. And, and I don't think about like, Hey, this might hurt. And then I'm like, you know, cause Oof. when I was in 20, I, I was 20, I, like two days later, I'm like, oh, I'm back to normal. <laughs> now that I'm, now that I'm 41, like I had this injury three months ago and I'm still, uh-huh. <laughs> still fighting it. So I can, okay. So I can totally verify that and I'll, I'll, I'll share a story. I don't think I've ever shared this. I, I may have shared this with you, but Lauren, um, so when I was in my, um, let's see, my late twenties, uh, that was like 12, 13 years ago. Right. Cause I'm, I'm just, I'm 41 now. So I was, we had moved to California and I didn't have a job. We were just trying to figure out like, what does life look like? We just moved out here. And so, um, back then I found this random post that said, uh, we're looking for people to be contestants on the show Wipeout. Nice. And uh, I thought, Oh, that'd be fun. Like what the heck? What? I mean, I'm not doing anything else. Like maybe I'd win some money. Right. So I, I end up going through this whole process. They end up picking me to go on the show. By the way, that's not how I'm funny at all. Like I could sit in front of a microphone in front of a room and I had them all laughing, which was great. But then I had to actually like go out and they want you to be goofy and all this yeah. stuff. And I, I, I'm not very good at that. And, um, but through that whole process, like it's, everything is muddy, everything is dirty. And you literally feel like you just got the stuff beat out of you. Like <laughs> I remember like getting home, it was dark my wife was not home yet, and I remember just like crawling onto the couch, and my eyes were just filled with dirt and mud. I felt like I had been, you know, like like in football practice when you hit the, there's that one pad that like everybody runs up and hits that Ooh. pad. And I felt like that pad, you know, like everything <laughs> in me, and and uh, and I didn't even make it like to the, I didn't even get make it to the second round. Like I had penalties because I wasn't funny. I think that's what it was. They, they, uh. they kept me off, but. But so I remember, and I remember, gosh, that hurt so bad. And so for a couple of days until I got all the mud out of my eyes, I was like, I cannot believe I was that dumb to go on that show. A couple of days later, it was all gone. My body had recovered. And I was like, I would totally go do that again. <laughs> I would absolutely go do that again, you know? And then I get into extreme sports later in life. Like a couple of years ago, we took a cruise and they had this like surfing thing on there. It's called a flow rider. And I remember doing it. And I, I, I hurt myself at one point, like jammed up my shoulder and man, I mean, I can still feel it randomly, you know, it's like, oh, don't do that. Cause that still hurts, you know? So I can, I can totally feel that, you know? Yeah. You so I, I just, I don't know. I thought this, uh, I thought this list was, was interesting. So, um, Lauren, you got the weekend off. So turn it into a, a sermon illustration. Go. Turn it into a sermon illustration. Yeah. The, the list of getting older and life oh, changing and I don't know. I, I will say what came to mind is laying down my motorcycle this summer and breaking my collarbone to rib and I'm talking to a couple doctors and they're like we don't usually see people your age with this kind of injury (laughs) (laughs) and I remember thinking is that a good thing Uh, but I'm still healing up from that and um, a couple different times whether it's with physical rehab or it's with a nurse doing a follow-up whatever they'll just allude to no you're doing really well well as well as you're going to do at your age. Oh, no. <laughs> like they just throw that in there. Like, well, you're 51. It's, it's not well, going to be like it used to be, you know, it's, it's humbling. That's right. good. That's good. I like that. I mean, as well as you could expect, like, you know, 
Okay, so I want to give a shout out to uh, Don and Marge Shepard. Um, they uh, they they sent us a comment that they are thrilled about um, getting to hear some old school Michael W. Smith from Tanner today. So yeah, I love that. that. I'm pretty sure Tanner would would cringe hearing Michael W. Smith attached to that. Probably was you know thinking like Hillsong or we did <laughs> sing a song else. that came out in the mid '90s, I think, and I did not know Tanner even knew there was music. Was in he the born 90s. then? No. Well, he was born in ninety two. He's born in ninety two. <laughs> so he was like three. I think. So this list is like what are you guys talking also, about? Also we sang a song, seriously, it's called uh-huh. what's called Breathe. Uh-huh. It, yeah. Was that a Michael it said Hill song on the It was originally a I'm pretty sure it was originally he wrote Michael it, W. Right? Smith, yeah. The Michael W. Smith. The dub okay. the the dub. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if he writes anything anymore. I think he just finds a a great song and is like I'm gonna take this I'm gonna record it <laughs> I think there's a few artists that do <laughs> that. is that a whole lot different than back in the day or? <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't know all well, I know is I loved it when when I was oh, preparing yeah. my sermon I was like oh I haven't heard this in forever so good you start swaying yep yeah I was in my 20s going to seminary no kids I remember that song coming out yeah that's a long <laughs> time ago <laughs> did you run out and buy that uh, cassette tape probably yeah. The nineties. No, that uh there was we had CDs. Was it CDs we then? had CDs. Because I went to I went to college in eighty eight. Okay. And we were buying CDs like that year. Nice. It was that's how I that's how I always remember. What was your first I, what was your first CD? Uh my first CD was the outfield, Voices of Babylon. Okay. Yeah. They did hmm. do you ever hear Play Deep? Uh huh. That was their one big album. Okay. But then I, I bought like the next four. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, do you have memories of buying anything other than CDs? No. Mm-mm. No, because you'd be eight. If I was 18 when we were buying CDs, you were eight. I do. I, this, I remember cassettes. This is what I remember. I remember my brother. I, I yeah. My family was very, very conservative. So we listened to either Christian music or for some reason we were allowed to listen to the oldies. Like, oh my uh, gosh, I literally like, almost finished that sentence for you just yeah. to interrupt and yeah. it was totally going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, like, we could listen I, to the oldies station. Or this, and uh, my the my brother brought home a um, a record of Poison with the big hair <laughs> yes. and boys wearing makeup, <laughs> and I was like, "What is that?" And he's like, "You got to listen, but don't tell mom and dad." So whenever they would they would leave the house, he'd pull out the Poison record and put it in. And uh, uh, I didn't have the older brother to do that. Yeah, I was the older brother, so. Uh, so I, I don't know, maybe I, it's funny. I wasn't even gonna talk about this, but I've swung the other direction now. And so, because I had that, like, I remember I had like an audio adrenaline CD that mm-hmm. I had to write out the lyrics to dad. I still love you. Even despite that, that was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> dad so, made you write the lyrics out yeah. to audio adrenaline. So the, so the album was so like a live, he was it was a live by one. Big House? It was, well, they didn't know that because the, li- <laughs> the CD, it was the live, it was a picture from a live deal and the guy was headbanging long hair. Yeah, yeah, it just looked, it, it looked it. crazy. Right. And it was in the midst of all of the. You know the 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 chaos with uh, if you remember Marilyn Manson and oh, yeah. like all that stuff right. where the church is just in panic mode about mm-hmm. the the uh, the songs that are sending our kids to hell and uh, and so in the midst of that being a very conservative home and uh, and so I, and, and being the oldest right so I I was the guinea pig on all of these things but but then I, I realized just just literally two days ago I'm sitting down making a making a playlist of the history of rock and roll for my 11 year old to listen to because she's interested in like what what else is like what other music is there and so like we've been like going through like music videos like we went back to like the 50s and was like all right so here was these things and then it led to this and then you see it change into this kind of thing and so I don't know if I've thrown the baby out with the bathwater or not, but that is hilarious. Does I your did. dad know you're doing this? No, my dad doesn't know. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm doing a similar thing with my son. He, he has a Spotify, um, list. And it, when I, when I first saw it, it was like 10 songs and he listened to the same 10 songs yes. over and over and over. I again. think that's my driving factor is and I'm, I'm like, losing my mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, you need to learn some other good songs. Please. So he's like, well, here's my, here's my playlist. Go ahead and add some things. Uh-huh. So I've been just adding like all these classic songs and uh, it's kind of fun way for us to that get is fun. Yeah. yeah. I realized how much fun I was having building the playlist let alone ever getting her to listen to it like right, she's right, like right. she's listening to meatloaf the other day oh my like, goodness <laughs> i was like i was like this is this is amazing right now and you're raising your kids right you I, don't, be I don't know person. i don't know either she's gonna she's gonna be the the goth kid that's falling off the other end in in you know five ten years or uh, i do think or I, maybe she'll be out she'll i do think i can right. relate to you a ton in that my parents were very concerned about my music choices <laughs> and scrutinized and so I hid things like I went to the poison concert, yeah. not even lying, but of course they didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. but now I'm introducing my kids to all kinds of stuff that occasionally I'm like, I don't know if I'm know. supposed to be doing right, this because right. <laughs> I was never allowed to listen to this yeah, when right. I was a kid, you know. Well, you don't know what that means. Well, at some point you're going to, and that's going to cause well, a and they're reading <laughs> lyrics, you know. I mean, yeah, you, no, that's what that's with what Apple like, Music. Uh, I got my phone on there, and they're just watching the lyrics go by. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Let's take that song off the playlist. <laughs> All right. So we'll have a conversation about that later. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's fun. Okay. Let's do something serious here. Let's talk about Axe. Let's talk about Axe. Can do that? Yes. Let's talk about Axe. And Randy, thanks for, for uh, diving in and uh, being a part of our um, unplanned madness here. So you... Sure. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciated the, the way you not only recapped a little bit of Axe for, for all of us, but... Um, just the picture you painted of, well, the picture you painted of the picture Luke painted mm-hmm. of the first church and what was just so crazy attractive to people. Um, and I, I, I've heard several different scholars say, uh, right, that the, you know, part of the reason that the Christian church blew up was just the beautiful example they were to the people around them, the way they mm-hmm. loved people that were hurting and dying, the mm. way they the way they chose death instead of um, you know, fighting against mm-hmm. but but self sacrifice. Um I just I love the picture you painted and <clears throat> it just I don't know, I bet I'll bet some people hear that and they're really discouraged today about mm-hmm. the church. You know, the Barna study Mm-hmm. things that you mentioned that we've talked about before here at Colonial, that, that so many people see us, see Christians as hypocritical, judgmental, um, that it can be really discouraging. And yet, I, I think I'm just so enamored with the beauty of mm-hmm. the authentic Christian church that I long, for, I just long for people to really see them. It's almost like if someone was talking bad about my wife, and thought, especially if they just saw her at her worst moment or mm-hmm. saw her at a moment of fatigue or less patience or less um, less loving, and that was their entire picture of her, it would not only break my heart from a defensive standpoint because my wife, but I just would be so sad that they don't get to see mm-hmm. how amazing she is. And I feel that way about the church. Right. You know? Right. For people who just can't, especially the people who misrepresent the church, mm-hmm. you know, the people who publicly say they're Christians and, or say, this is what the church is all about. And they're not, I'm like, I don't even think they know Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they're misrepresenting much less the way we, we ourselves misrepresent Jesus, you know? Right. Um, you did a good job with that. Uh, 
What can I ask you one question? You left out in that Barna research, you left out a term uh, anti-homosexual because mm-hmm. I know that makes the top three right. of those word choices. It's actually number one. Is it number one? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. So so to recap for people who, who weren't there this weekend, um, the Barna research recently asking young, I think specifically um, millennials, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think of, what words come to mind when you think of Christians? Uh, the top answers included judgmental, uh, hypocritical, and the number one answer was anti-homosexual. Right. Um, I'm guessing you left that particular descriptor just not to detract from, <laughs> to distract from the message this weekend. Yeah, I think if I've learned anything about being a preacher, like there are certain uh, hot button uh, words or phrases that, uh, when people hear them, they will jump to conclusions and won't actually listen to what you have to say. Yeah. Um, so there was there was fear around if I if I if I said you know the number one answer is anti homosexual people would be like oh no here he goes yeah you know you're I know smarter he, than he, me when it yeah. comes to those kind of things. Um, <laughs> and the point that I was really trying to get across is that Christianity has a reputation problem. Yeah. That in 1900 years we've gone from being a, known as a place of love and compassion to a place of hypocrisy, judgment. Mm. So if we, if we just sit around and wait for people to come to us, um, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, that's why we need to bring the church to our neighborhoods. We bring mm. it to our workplaces. We bring it to our families. We live out the church rather than just saying, well, let's, I'm, I'm going to try to invite people a couple times a year and see if they come. Mm. Can I ask you this question? I've, I've got different thoughts bounced around in my head. You served as a pastor in San Antonio for a number of years. What, how long was it? Like 10, 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Texas, you mm-hmm. know, Bible belt, uh, but you're also in Denver now for a long time and you were in Minnesota before that. What's unique with our reputation problem mm-hmm. here in the Bible belt? What, what's uniquely challenging about that? Do you think, or, or in what ways can, do we need to apply that? maybe even more strongly. Um, or is it not that unique? I mean, you're served, you've served in Denver for a number of years too. Yeah, I think, I think it is, I think it's unique. Um, I think people in Texas, I think people in the Bible belt that are not followers of Jesus are not really, really, um, living out their faith or involved in a church. Most of them are like, you know what? I've, I've been there, done that my grandparents brought me or my parents brought me like, I think I know what the church is all about and it's just not all that, um, important to me or, you know, I guess I, you know, I, I made a decision when I was a kid. I know where I'm going when mm-hmm. I die. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the gospel is, is not just to get out of hell free card. It's, it's a call to a life of abundance. It's a call to be a part of this great adventure where we are spreading the kingdom of God and we get to play a major role in it. Like, um, I just think there's a lot of people in the Bible Belt that are missing out on this great adventure mm. of of taking their gifts and seeing God use them. Mm. Um, I I was surprised when I moved to Denver. I expected people to be way more hostile towards the church and the gospel. Um, they just didn't see the point of it. Um, but they would they'd love to talk to me about faith. They you know we would. We, uh, one of the ways that we would get to know our neighbors is, um, on Friday nights, we'd put a, 
a, a bonfire pit out in the street and then invite all the neighbors to come. Um, and we'd roast s'mores and people would bring drinks and we'd stay out late, late into the night. And it was amazing how many people, uh, once they knew that I was a pastor, um, and that I, I was okay if they cussed in front of me, <laughs> they'd be like, so what about this? Yeah. Mm. What, what is your church about? What do you, what do you think about this? What do you, and they, I think people are really, really curious about Christianity. Mm. Um, it's one of the things I appreciated about being in Denver. Mm. I can confirm even working, working at Apple, at Apple, I came to talk at Apple, mm-hmm. um, prior to, uh, it, it just kind of in between churches at one point, I worked mm-hmm. there for about four years. It was very similar. It was like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't about like, Hey, can you come to our church? There was, a, there was a bunch of people that were like formerly church people. Like they were just, you know, tired of it or mm-hmm. sick of the, 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 the hypocrisy or, or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And, but to have those conversations, I got asked all kinds of times, you know, well, what do you, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Hey, what, what's, you know, once they could get to know who I was and it wasn't about what church I go to or what I'm trying to push or anything like that, it was lots of questions about, you know, questions about faith and questions mm-hmm. about how it applies to life and what, what my opinion was. And so I'm, I'm right there. I feel you. Right. Ooh. Well, I, I even think back to my life. Like I, I grew up in a Christian family, went to church every Sunday, um, we didn't really read the Bible together as a family, but I remember seeing my dad's Bible open with notes down the, the margins and mm. things highlighted. So it, it, it communicated to me like this is an important mm-hmm. piece of my dad's life. Um, but to me, as a kid, church was three songs and, a, mm-hmm. and some old and white guy preaching at you, you know? And I'm like, Usually well, angrily. Yeah, I'm like, well, like, that's okay, I guess. <laughs> but... Uh, it wasn't until I was a part of a church plant when I was in college that I saw the beauty of a local church and that when when one of us celebrated, we all celebrated because mm-hmm. we were so intertwined in each other's life. And when one of us like hurt, we all hurt. And I was like, oh, like this is something I can give my life to. Yeah. Like this, this is this is something powerful. It's it's not just the three songs and the the message. It's the way that we like learn from each other. And I, I remember being in the church and there was, there was a, a family that I was like, man, I like the way that they raise their kids. And mm-hmm. I like the way that they, they're constantly looking for teachable moments to bring God in. I'm like, I want to steal that. Mm-hmm. And I would, um, I had a, another, another guy, like in my family, we didn't do conflict very well. We just kind of stuffed it and would pretend like we forgave each other. <laughs> but this guy, um, he would just, he would get in my face in the most loving way and be like, Hey, um, like you're better than that. Mm. And I love you enough to tell you. And I was like, whoa, okay, that's, that's the beauty of Christian community. And that's, that's where I started to see like the church is a powerful place that can transform lives. Um, and, and the, the music and, and the sermon I think is important, but there's a whole level of community that I think, um, can be taken outside of the building and brought to your dinner table, brought to your front porch, to your back porch, where I think if people get a taste of it, they're like, okay, sign me up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So on on that topic of, of what the church tends to be known for, um, one of the questions that we got this week is, is, um, is Colonial an open and affirming church? So referring back to kind of the conversations that we've had in the past of, um, I, guess, I, I assume homosexuality is mm-hmm. as, as the top of that list. Um, how, would you, uh, how would you respond to that, Lauren? Well, first of all, 
and either one of you guys can pipe in if I'm if I if we can describe it better. But my understanding of that language is a church an affirming church is a church a non-affirming church that is specifically on the topic of homosexuality. Um, an affirming church, uh, my understanding is a church who, with their doctrine, affirms that you can be uh, gay. You can uh, make uh, a choice to practice homosexuality and still faithfully follow Jesus, um, and that God's totally fine with that. Um, it's affirming in that sense. A non-affirming church is a church that says, no, the Scripture says those things are incompatible. He still loves you, but um, that's not something God's okay with. That's my understanding mm-hmm. of affirming versus not affirming. To cut to the chase, I want to give a short answer and a longer answer. To cut to the chase, we are, we are definitely a non-affirming church in the sense that uh, it's, it's more of the orthodox historically orthodox Christian stance on understanding scripture when it comes to homosexuality, that we, we do read in scripture and interpret it that that's not God's design for us. It's mm-hmm. God, God's design is not for us to, to practice homosexuality. Um, and that, so that's why it's in a list of sinful choices mm-hmm. that we can make. Um, well, I hate the language though, non-affirming because Affirming is such a positive thing. Non-affirming literally sounds like rejection, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And the grace of God, the gospel, is incredibly affirming of right. every human. And so, um, the short answer is that we're not affirming. Yeah. the The long answer is, I got my stuff, and I got I got 101 reasons that I should be rejected by a holy God, and it's His grace that just covers all of it. Yeah. And uh, and his call for me to become holy, to change. Um, so the short answer is, we are not the church that that um, you know practicing uh, LGBTQ folks would flock to because we tell them, um, hey, don't change a thing. Um, and yet, in the context of what you preached about this weekend, mm-hmm. Randy. Um, I want so badly to be the church that LGBTQ plus people would flock to mm-hmm. because they would go, well, we disagree on something pretty important to me, mm-hmm. but oh my goodness, these people love me really well. Right. And I want to be around them. And right. I want to agree to disagree on something that, that may be very dear and central to me, but these are my friends mm-hmm. and, and they're with me in the highs and the lows. And, and I want to, I want to challenge them and I want to be challenged by them. And that may be fairly idealistic mm-hmm. <laughs> in these times where if nothing else, we have a really bad reputation <laughs> with mm-hmm. the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and it certainly also means we risk, you know, a lot of uh, legalistic, moralistic folks just getting ticked off because we're not rejecting strongly enough. Right. Because <laughs> grace is messy. Right. Um, I've mentioned before on the podcast, there's at least a, a couple of gay couples, a couple of couples, a couple of gay couples that I have, I feel like I've become at least decent friends with here at Colonial that, that continue to call Colonial home. Um, they know what I believe differently about the scripture, but they don't feel rejected mm-hmm. or, or hated. Um, thank God. Mm-hmm. And they've taken time to sit down. We've had coffee and, um, 
actually overdue to spend some more time together. But, but I, unfortunately, those are the those are the exceptions to the norm. Right. What are your thoughts on that? I know I know that we come from similar church backgrounds, similar mm-hmm. camps. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's been your experience? The church that you've been a part of for the last number of years right. is a non-affirming church on paper. Is that accurate? Yeah. So I, I think definitions are really important, and I, and I, unfortunately, I think churches define it all differently. The right. way that I've always defined it is um, open means we are open to anyone to come to it to our church. Yes. No matter what they believe, what what they do, whatever they think, like there is nothing that disqualifies you from yes being a part of our church. And to be clear, we are we are colonial is an open wide church. open yes wide open yes. and i think that is a biblical the right right view the affirming piece to me comes down to will you marry or will you hire someone yeah that is openly saying i'm in a same-sex attracted um, relationship or i might take it a step further and will you let lead and teach mm-hmm. in any capacity mm-hmm. um, that's where it's gotten a little bit difficult you know just in the trenches with folks sure um, because it's one thing just to be open to anybody can be, come to the table, come eat with us, come journey with us, come be in hard conversations with us. It's another thing to say, okay, now you teach our people mm-hmm. what's truth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it gets a little And it's such specific. a, it's such a hard thing. It is so hard. Cause, cause I don't like the word affirming because someone that is same sex attracted, uh, I want to tell them like, I want to affirm that you are like wonderfully and beautifully made. Like mm-hmm. you are God's creation. Like you, mm-hmm. you are a, a person that God is deeply in, in love with and cares about. And our community cares about you. Um, we just happen to, to believe that the, the Bible um, d- describes the way that we were created. The intent of God was for man and woman to be together in marriage. Uh, so we can't affirm that, but we affirm so much about you your gifts, your talents, you, the way that you're uniquely made. But I, I think, unfortunately, there's a, a big portion of, of people that will say, well, if you can't affirm this, then you, you're not affirming me mm-hmm. and who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a huge, huge debate in my house. My, my daughter has been coming to church with me uh, her whole life. She loves the church. She loves Jesus so much. Um, but she's, she's in theater, and that's like her second love. And so many of her kids, that her friends there are in the LGBTQ community, and they've been deeply, deeply hurt by um, just just people that have been really harsh with them. Hmm. Um, as they're trying to figure out, who am I? Why am I the way I am? Is am, am I? You know, what is my sexuality? What what is my gender? Um, the church hasn't taken them in in a loving way. Hmm. It's been this like, oh, you're disgusting. Mm. Like you are an abomination, you're gross, and and I think the church in general has has done so much damage mm. to a group of people that God really really cares about, that are trying to to sift through some things that are difficult, you know. So, yep, that's well said. Well, and we also uh, as as we talked about we we talked about this in the past, and uh, I think it was episode ten. I think it may even have, um, bled into uh, episode eleven as well. So if you want to go back and listen to a little bit more of that conversation, I know that uh, we had Tanner on here with us as well, and we talked about um, where we find our identity, um, which is I think a lot of that 
uh, a lot of that conversation is, well, where, where are you placing your identity? Are you finding your identity in Christ or are you finding your identity in something else? Mm-hmm. Uh, so to, to get back to, to get back to Acts, um, one of the things you talked about was that there were there were those three main things. They were united in heart and mind. They shared what they owned, and there was no needy people among them. Right mm-hmm. to to paraphrase and be a little bit shorter. Yep. Um, which is which is a a crazy way to um, to think about you know especially from where we come from right now right. the world that we live in. They don't see a church that is united in heart and mind that shares everything that they own and that there's no needy people. Right. Mm-hmm. They see a very closed off. Um, community, and uh, that's that they either they've been pushed out from, or excluded from, or shunned from. Um, but the early church was known for their love and compassion. And mm-hmm. um, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned a book. Um, uh, you, the you quoted rise from the of book Christianity. Yeah. I couldn't remember what that was. I was I was I wanted to add that in here just to make sure. But mm-hmm. the rise of, of Christianity. Who's it by? Rodney Stark. Rodney Stark. It, uh, someone told me this morning he's a professor at Baylor. So was he really? That, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but uh, one of my friends this morning leaned up to me while you were preaching. He's a Baylor. Mm. So he's got to be amazing. Got to be. Sick him. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. So, so how, do we, how do we get back to um, that kind of a church that the world sees like the early church? You talked about unity and generosity. Like, what do we need to do as, as the, uh, the, the church in the United States here and uh, how do we how do we start to make progress to get back towards that? Yeah, I I think it can be really overwhelming to look at that reputation and 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 then look at yourself and say, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do that. Um, I I think a, a lot of people also go, well, if my if my church leadership would just do this, or if we focused more on this, and and in in that type of statement, it's saying, oh, this this is not my problem to solve. It's my, it's the church leadership's problem. Um, I think if we can all take responsibility for the reputation of the church and, and decide what can I do about it? Like I, I don't necessarily need to invite my friends to church, but what if I just lived out the church? Um, and I, and I threw like you, you were talking about the, the pancake breakfast and just how great it was to be together. Like, what if instead of the church waiting for the next one to come, they just decided, you know what? What if I just throw a big party at my house with pancakes? And I not only do I bring this community that I love, but I invite my neighbors and my coworkers Ooh. so they can see how loving and attractive and how kind my church is. Um, and maybe that's the front door is actually being a part of my community at my house Ooh. before they even step foot in our church. Um, people can do that. You know, it's a, it's, you know, when you see someone taking their garbage out and it's garbage day and you're like, I have five minutes, like instead of just being content with just waving to walk across the street and ask them, how's your day going? Mm. Like what's, what's going on in your life? Like to show some interest. That's a, that's a way where people will be like, okay, there's something, there's something different about Brooke. Like he seems to genuinely care about my life. I wonder what that's about. I think that's why in first Peter, it says, always be ready to give the reason for your hope. Like people should be a little bit curious about Mm -hmm. how loving we are, how interested we are in their Mm -hmm. life, how generous we are. Um, And then when we get the opportunity to share, we just say, you know, like Jesus has changed my life. Like the the man that you see right now is not who I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. 
That's a good word. I, I think I think it is that difficult and yet that simple. I, I don't think it starts with something the institution does. I think it starts with us individually. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. You're making me think back to uh, Hugh Halter, uh, a writer that I enjoyed some of his books a few years ago, and he just made a big deal. He said, we should be known as the best partiers. Like, my parents, uh, if you said partier, that sounds like, you know, beer kegs mm-hmm. and, you know, sex and other stuff you shouldn't be doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just made a big deal to say, kind of in the same vein of, of people should wonder, why are you so generous? Mm-hmm. People should wonder, why are you having so much fun? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why are you so joy-filled? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't know that when I think of the best partiers, I think of Christians. Mm-hmm. I think of a few. Yep. But um, actually, the more I read, I think of Jews. I think mm-hmm. Jews knew how to party mm-hmm. or know how to party <laughs> in a way that we just don't. Right. You know, They right. got weddings that last for days. And, right. Um, I'd like to I'd like to figure that out a little better. Mm-hmm. Well, so you you talked about um, was it Romans fourteen twenty two um, that uh, we should keep our convictions between ourselves and God. Mm-hmm. So how how do you how do you do that with this world that is screaming that you need to agree with me? Yeah, that actually is a question I want to throw at you, Randy, because I know that you value greatly i mean we're we're good enough friends that i i've lived this with you you value greatly talking about hard things and disagreeing right. and disagreeing well right. you know in love but that verse in particular arguably says no don't even do that mm-hmm. like you just just keep that to yourself that's mm-hmm. divisive mm-hmm. and i think there is a time and a place i mean that's actually a good i think that was a word i needed to hear this weekend especially as one with a public speaking platform there's times i need to just shut up and not go there because it's divisive, you know? Um, so, so how do you navigate that or how do you, what are your thoughts on that? The, 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 I kind of have this, this, this balance in, in front, you know, in my mind of, of learning to speak lovingly and, and really hear other people that have different thoughts and value what, the, where they're coming from. But arguably sometimes not even doing that, just like, not going there because that's between me and the Lord and I don't mm-hmm. want to be divisive. Or do you, or do you read that passage differently? I don't know. I don't know what exactly what I'm asking. Yeah. You asked a lot of questions right there. I like to ask, <laughs> I like to ask about eight Does he questions. Do this to you ready, a lot? ready, go. Usually it's me asking him all those questions yeah. and he's trying to like, hang on, which one do you want me to answer? Uh, so I, I'll, I'll be honest. Well, you, you asked the first question and then I started answering it in my head and then you went on to ask a couple more I questions. Apologize. So I apologize. Then I stopped, I stopped listening to you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have that effect on a lot of people. Yeah. So, so my first thought, um, and that this is something that didn't make it into the sermon because it just didn't flow. But in, I, I believe it's John 17, Jesus prays for unity mm-hmm. for his Oneness. disciples and those that yes. follow behind us and say, you know, father, I pray that they will be one. Like you and I mm-hmm. are one, like our oneness is really important to Jesus. When we are unified, it puts a smile on his face. So when I, when I have a disagreement with someone inside the church, 
Like I, I try to filter through this. Like what would put a smile on Jesus' face? Like if I change their mind or if I'm unified with them? Wow. Like, is it, is it more important to change their mind? I, I, I th- even think of like, if I'm thinking about the LGBTQ thing, um, I have two people that live on my, two couples that live on my street that are gay couples living with one another. Um, and we've gone on, out on double dates, my wife and I with them a couple times. There's others. They are probably the kindest, uh, most neighborly people on our street. And, and I will tell you this, like, I want them to know Jesus more than I want them to agree with my view on what marriage is. And I think God does too. Mm. I think God cares more about their soul and, and being reunited with him than if their view on marriage is biblical or not. So just to to interrupt, um, I love that question to, is is it more important to change their mind or more important to be unified with them? Mm -hmm. Are we, are we then taking the role of the Holy Spirit onto ourselves trying to say, well, I need to be the one that changes you and shows you Mm -hmm. to be different rather than get to know this person that I know Mm -hmm. rather than get to know Jesus. I'm more worried about, are you, can I make you do the right things? Can I convince you to be the right person, which is not our role in the first place? Mm -hmm. There is an argument for that. I mean, my understanding from scripture is it's the Holy spirit that convicts us of sin anyway. Mm -hmm. It's not my quote unquote friends. Good argument. Yeah. Um, but that is so not the world that we know. It's not Mm -hmm. the way we operate so often. That's a, that's a good word, Randy. I, I even, want to mull over a little bit just you know am is it more important that that i am right or that they agree with me mm-hmm. or is it more important that they know jesus and, mm-hmm. that, and that they they see the love of jesus man that that makes it pretty clear to me <laughs> about how to love my neighbor right um well and i think um if people feel loved by you and they um have admiration for you and respect for you that opens the door for them to say, what do you think about mm-hmm. so-and-so? What mm-hmm. do you think about a, a Christian's role in politics? What do you think about you know, the racial reconciliation? What do you think about this? And, mm-hmm. and then you, you have the, the open door to say, you know what, like based on what scripture says here or based on you know, my, my experience here, like this is what I think God cares about. Um, but I think so often we are just like telling people what we think before they even care. Mm. I, I, I think going down this rabbit trail a little bit, I think that the, it's way easier for me to talk about these things with non-Christians mm. uh, because all I have in my brain is love them like Jesus loves them mm. and just be grace-filled, accepting um, it's, it's more difficult, not just cause I'm a pastor. I think I, I think if I was making widgets tomorrow and still a part of the church, uh, as I would be, it'd be, it's just way harder with my Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, cause I'm not as concerned that they know Jesus cause they already do. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of lean right past that to, I really want them to agree with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really want them to be right, not wrong. Like they are, you know? Right. And I think that's why it's so messy within the church to fight for unity mm-hmm. because I can justify sitting down with my clueless, lost, doesn't know Jesus friend 
They can cuss all they want. They can, you know, see the world differently than me. I just want them to know Jesus. It's when I sit down with my brother in Christ that we're already in a Bible study together. We're already singing those songs together with Tanner or somebody like him. We're already, you know, going to the pancake sausage breakfast together. And we really disagree about something that one or both of us thinks is really important. Mm -hmm. And we get stuck. You know, I had a, I had a thought, and this didn't make it in the sermon today either, but I actually don't think Christians argue that much with each other. I think they just assume things about each other, um, and they don't actually ever have the conversation. Mm. I think you're right. They'll, they'll hear something that you said or see something that you did, and they'll think, oh, you're one of those Mm. people yeah without even actually having the conversation yeah um and i think there is room and and, and i i I don't think we should just say you know what like i'm not going to talk about that i'm going to keep that to myself i actually think what binds us together and unifies us is to say hey you said something the other day and it kind of it made me wonder if you if you believe this um and if you do like Help me understand that mm. because I, I see the world this way and I don't get it. And I value our friendship and I value our relationship. Mm. Um, and I, I think, I think as Christians, we need to do more of that. Um, cause I just, I just see a lot of people that someone will post something on Facebook and they're like, you know what? I'm done with them. Mm. I can't, I can't believe they're you one of un- those. You can unfriend them, run, follow them. Yep. Easily or mute them. Yep. And then I never have to realize, never have to deal with it. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I want to think about that more too. Uh, yeah, Randy, I think, I think you're onto something there. I, I think that there's a lot less actual debate and arguing and a whole lot more assuming. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. So in the last, last few minutes here that we've got, um, the, the other thing that you called the church to be outside of, um, outside of unity mm-hmm. um, was to be a generous church and to live, um, to live beyond that scarcity mindset that we find ourselves in. I liked the example of, uh, of, of the toilet paper at mm-hmm. the beginning of the pandemic. It was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, we got to go have this. Like, I understand the you know Clorox wipes or mm-hmm. or Lysol like that makes sense. Oh my gosh, we have to do everything we can to mm-hmm. to to clean everything and kill everything. But toilet paper, yeah, yeah, we don't we don't got to got to make sure that we have all of the toilet paper and that we live in that scarcity mindset rather than living in the abundance that that uh, that that Jesus calls us to live in and, mm-hmm. and showed us how to live in. So what talk about that? What how do we be that that church that lives beyond that scarcity mindset? Yeah, I, th- I think like just being self-aware and recognizing the, you know, the emotions inside you is like, what am I, what am I really afraid of? And, and fear, the feeling of fear is, is a God-given emotion, right? In some ways it, it serves some, us. And sometimes it protects us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's not like, like all fear is bad, but I, I do feel like fear is out of control. Mm in our country right now. And fear is a, it is a, a weapon. It is a, a manipulation tool. It is a way to get you to vote a certain way, to buy certain things. Um, and to be a, yeah, a mature enough to go, okay, like 
is is fear is is this fear a, a you know a god given thing or is this something that I need to fight against you know um and I, I think this the scarcity mindset I just I see it in churches all over the country right now like um churches are having a really hard time caring for the poor mm. and they're having a really hard time stepping into the needs into their community um because pastors are are having to you know just keep the lights on and just kind of weather the storm um but that that generosity mindset that abundance mindset has not come back um so that so that individual people in the pews have a huge role in not only just to be generous I, with neighbors, with coworkers, but also, um, you know, you guys that are on staff at this church, like it is your job to keep the pulse of the community and to, to be connected with uh, city leaders and um, people that are helping the poor and to know what the needs are. Um, and, and the church, in a way, you see it in the early church, they, they sold their house and they gave it to the, the apostles to disperse to those in need. Like part of a church leadership's job is to decide like what are the needs that God is calling us to meet right now? Um, how are we good stewards with the, the, the money that our people put, to, put in our hands? Um, so I'm, I'm actually, I got a question for you guys. Is it, is it go both ways? Is this okay? Go no, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll go either ahead. answer or I'll uh, cut it out and <laughs> no one will know that you answered it. You asked it at all. Are you guys, are you guys seeing a, a scarcity mindset? in for one in Wichita Falls proper, but also in colonial church? On one hand, uh, no. Um, on one hand, I, I'm encouraged, like just a real quick, the percentage of our attendance that has gone down in the mm-hmm. pandemic uh, is roughly double the percentage of giving that's gone down. Mm-hmm. So giving has gone down. We've got less people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of it. Uh, but I think the people who and maybe somebody listening would, would argue with me, but, but by and large, I think the people that have stopped coming to church, uh, were not that engaged before, okay. uh, including from a generous, uh, standpoint. So in that regard, I don't see it, um, going down, but I, I do think, uh, one of the words you used to describe fear is dripping mm-hmm. <laughs> in your message. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it resonates with me. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, that fear has invaded the church. Mm-hmm. Fear has, has just swept our culture uh, in so many ways, and I think that directly ties to a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I think we're more gripped by it than we realize. Um, I think leaders that I rub shoulders with, including our own, uh, and, and probably myself included at times too, are, it's just so hard to fight against that. You know, to the decision making we have on a daily basis that that is just screaming, you can't do that. You don't have the resources for that. Mm-hmm. You're going to run out. You know, so on one hand, no, uh, but but I think I think pervasively, big picture, it's it is definitely scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ironic, I just said that it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard myself say that. Well, and I don't think we're immune to it. Right? Yeah, like it has been a scary. 18 months for sure yeah. of just what is going on. These guys here have to put up with my uh, idealism 
um, I think this could be the church's finest hour, though. It like, could be. Like, I love that uh, we have less to work with, and it's a call to, okay, what do you really believe? Mm-hmm. Back to Malachi 3, okay, mm-hmm. test me, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Let's be faithful with the less that we have and see what he does, right. you know? And uh, so that excites me still. You know, I'm not, I'm not discouraged for the church. I'm discouraged for the people that are missing out, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but I'm not discouraged for the future of the church. Church ain't going anywhere. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think there's so many things I wanted to talk about. There, there's only 30 minutes to get it all in though. But <laughs> like I was thinking about individuals in the church, um, you know, the, the, this, in the passage we read, it said, you know, people at the church would sell their houses or sell their land. And my instant thought was, well, I don't have houses or land, so yeah. this is apply to me. Um, but I think of the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? The, all of disciples had a scarcity mindset where they looked at the 5,000. They looked at how much, how many resources they had, which was just this little boy with a basket of food. Mm-hmm. And they're like, send them home. There's not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus is like, hold my beer. (laughs) 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 Let me show you something. And, and this is that abundance mindset. So, so I I think the challenge for all of us is, is to not look at like the needs of the world Mm. and the little resources we have and say, ah, it doesn't matter. Like we can't do it. But just to say, Hey Jesus, here's what I have Mm. here. Here's my, here's my money. Here is my time. Here are my treasures. Here's my home. Here's, here's whatever I have. Like, I'm going to put that in your hands to see what, what kingdom building you can do. Um, mm. because you have the, you have the way, a, a way of stretching things. You have a way of, you know, feeding 5,000 with a couple of fish and mm. bread. Yeah. So how do we, how do we take all of this and apply it to our lives, um, right now? Right. So what steps can we take this week to move towards unity, to become more generous, to not be that church that the Barna group is talking about? How do we how do we take this and say, OK, I need to apply this into action in my life? I want to tee it up for you, Randy, because you mentioned this before we started recording and I want to hear your heart on it. I, I think the giving the generous side of it is pretty tangible. Mm-hmm. It's stretch yourself. Yeah. Like take a huge leap of faith and give generously, mm-hmm. give to the church, give to your neighbors, give of yourself. Um, I want to ask you in the, in the, in the vein of, of pursuing unity, I want to tee it up for you. You mentioned proximity. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? How does that play out in an applicable, tangible way for, for us this week? Yeah. So I, I think we have, um, I think everybody, nobody is immune to this, is a fear of the unknown or the fear of what is strange. So um, I I think the perfect example that I can see of this is like when you see people that live out in the country and they come into the city, they're terrified of the city, right? It's like every alley has a uh, someone that's going to mug them, right? Mm -hmm. You take someone that grew up in the city that's totally comfortable in the city. You take them out and they're like, there's a bear or a, a cougar around every tree <laughs> that's about to jump out. Right. And it's just this fear of what I don't understand mm. and I don't know and I'm not comfortable with. Um, so I, I believe, I believe churches should be diverse, right? 
socioeconomically, racially, um, but that creates this issue of issue of like we I don't understand your background. I don't understand where you're coming from, and it causes us to um, be bold and courageous and say, you know what, like I need to walk in the shoes of my brothers and sisters because maybe I'll understand why they're so fired up about this issue. Or, or, or maybe I'll understand why they, they have such strong opinions about something I really don't care about. Um, so, so my encouragement to the people of colonial is like, if you have someone that, that it is either rubbed you the wrong way or someone you don't understand, or, you know, because of what you've seen on their Facebook that they don't align with you, like push yourself to be in proximity with them, hmm. ask them out for coffee, which is in, the opposite of what the heart wants in the moment. Right. You know, right. Yeah, it's like I want to just be around people that are are like me, hmm. um, and and I, I I I you'll be blessed because of it, right? You're not just doing the right thing; it actually right. has right. the potential for yeah. rich blessing. Absolutely, hmm. and and I think it. I mean, I just think it puts a smile on Jesus' face. Hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Ah, oh, that we can be those people. Mm-hmm. I miss I miss you being around, Randy. I'm I'm about to take Randy to the airport so he can fly home to his family where he should be. Uh, thanks for being with us here at Colonial. My pleasure. I always yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this conversation up. We'll pause it here. We'll come back next week. Anything else you guys want to add before we do? I will confess my sin as we wrap up that there are very few things in life that I enjoy more than the Texas Longhorns getting their butts kicked in football. (laughs) (laughs) You know how large of an OU fan I am. You're a huge OU fan. And I did not say a word. You didn't, you have such self-discipline. Look at the restraint. I did not say a word. What a great game. I had four relatives, four immediately immediate family members at the game. Uh, rubbing it in my face that I was not there. I had a friend that I hadn't talked to in a year and a half text me in the first in the first um, minute when it was like of the game. Nothing and he was like, Texas. how's it going? Uh, I was like, really? It's like that? <laughs> it's like that, huh? We hadn't talked in a year and a half and it's like that. Did you did you uh, did you let your sinful heart take over when the game was over and text him back? I did not. Look at wow. you, you're growing. That's growth, not. Brooke. So go, uh, take that, Jamie. What's up? <laughs> 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 Lauren, what can we expect next week? Uh, we're going to continue with the book of Acts. Uh, it's about to get a lot harder. Mm. It's about to get a lot harder. Because uh, today was easy. It was beautiful. Today was beautiful. Uh, the daily life of following Christ, the daily life of being the church is messy and has setbacks and is disappointing and frustrating because we live in a fallen world and everybody's going the other way and the call of Jesus is is beautiful to to your point in this in this message Randy but also it's really difficult and so um, I think people who do have big questions do have doubts do struggle in their faith are going to really resonate well with the next few weeks as we continue in the book of Acts because it just gets messier uh, and we get to see what God does in us in the mess so that's a little teaser, and we're going to announce some things coming up that I'm so excited about. So, teaser there. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Randy, thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, subjecting yourself to uh, this process and being a part of the podcast with us so our, our people could hear from you a little bit more. Appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. I loved it. All right. 
This has been the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church. You can always get more information at colonialchurch.com or from our app on the App Store, the Google Play Store. We'd love to hear from you, so uh, send us your questions and your feedback. We like the question this week, so uh, you can do that podcast at colonialchurch.com. Send us an email there, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll pick it up next week.